Good evening to you all. Please turn with me in your Bibles to Jeremiah chapter 32. Jeremiah chapter 32, and we'll just be reading a few passages, a few verses. And we'll begin reading in verse 16. So just for context... This passage takes place during the siege of the Chaldeans against Jerusalem. And uh, this is uh, an encouraging passage of, of Jeremiah. So we'll begin reading in verse 16. Now when I had delivered the evidence of the purchase unto Baruch the son of Neriah, I prayed unto the Lord, saying, O Lord God, behold, thou hast made the heaven and the earth by thy great power, and stretched out thine arm, and there is nothing too hard for thee. Thou showest loving kindness unto thousands, and recompensest the iniquity of the fathers into the bosom of their children after them. The great, the mighty God, the Lord of hosts is his name. Great in counsel and mighty in work, for thine eyes are open upon all the ways of the sons of men, to give every one according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings, which has set signs and wonders in the land of Egypt, even unto this day and in Israel and among other men, and has made thee a name as at this day, and has brought forth thy people Israel out of the land of Egypt with signs and with wonders and with a strong hand and with a stretched out arm, and with great terror, and hast given them this land, which thou didst swear to their fathers to give them, a land flowing with milk and honey. And they came in and possessed it, but they obeyed not thy voice, neither walked in thy law. They have done nothing of all that thou commandest them to do. Therefore thou hast caused all this evil to come upon them. Behold the mounts, they are come unto the city to take it, and the city is given into the hand of the Chaldeans that fight against it because of the sword, and of the famine, and of the pestilence, and what thou hast spoken is come to pass. And behold, thou seest it. And thou hast said unto me, O Lord God, buy thee the field for money, and take witnesses, for the city is given into the hand of the Chaldeans. With God's word open before us, let's pray. Mighty Father in heaven, Lord, I pray that you would bless the truths of your word to us today. Lord, I pray that we would be encouraged to... Take on the tasks that you have given to us. Lord, I pray that we would be a faithful witness in this nation. Lord, I pray that you would strengthen us to sound forth the truths of your gospel. Lord, I pray that you would help us to tell people about Christ. Lord, I pray that you would would save souls and that this nation would repent. Lord, I pray that you would bring souls into your kingdom. Lord, I pray that we would see it. Lord, I pray that you would bless this time. Lord, I pray that you would keep your servant from error. Lord, I pray that I would be able to give your gospel in season and in truth. So Lord, I pray that you would bless this time, bless our hearts. pray this in thy son's holy and precious name. Amen. Throughout history, God's people have found themselves in various times and situations. In the situation with Jeremiah, it's a situation somewhat similar to that of our own. Jeremiah obviously was a prophet in southern Israel just preceding the fall of Jerusalem in 586 B.C. 
The time that Jeremiah found himself in was not a great time by any means. Yes, there certainly was a remnant of Israel that was true to the Lord, but largely speaking, people were hardened against God. Israel had known much of God's blessing, but had now turned from the Lord and participated in great wickedness. Later on in the chapter that we read, the Lord details some of the sins that Judah was guilty of, which included worship of false gods, the desecration of God's temple, and even to the murder of children and sacrifice to Baal. The time in which Jeremiah was a prophet was one of serious wickedness and of turning from the Lord who had incredibly blessed them in the past. So there Jeremiah is in the midst of a perverse generation seeking to faithfully serve God and preach the word of the Lord. This, as we read in verses 2 through 3, results in him being thrown in jail by the king. But it is in this context that Jeremiah is given a very encouraging prospect, which is the fact that God would bring back the captivity of Israel and would establish the new covenant with his people, which we see first mentioned in the chapter before, chapter 31. Then in the chapter we are in today, we see God give Jeremiah proof of what he would do. We see a near relation of Jeremiah sell a piece of land to him. And Jeremiah knows that this is of the Lord and that this is God proving to him that the Lord would keep his covenant. Now keep in mind that the possession of the land was a core part of the Lord's covenant with Israel, which would find partial fulfillment in the church, spiritual Israel. And also keep in mind that this new covenant contains a promise that the Lord would rebuild Jerusalem to such a glory and permanence that it had never known before. And this, I believe, can only be understood as referring to the new Jerusalem that is spoken of in Revelation 21, verses 2 through 4, which says, And I, John, saw the holy city, new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. And God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. And there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. So this buying of a small piece of land is a proof, a down payment, if you will, to Jeremiah of what God would do in the future. Proof that God would bring his people back into the land and that God would keep his covenant. But what I want to focus on today is, is Jeremiah's prayer after these verses in verses 16 through 25. He says in verse 17, All Lord God, behold, thou hast made the heaven and the earth by thy great power and stretched out arm, and there is nothing too hard for thee. He believes and trusts in the power of the Lord to accomplish his will. But then in verses 23 through 25, he shows what appears to be a doubt or uncertainty of how God will reconcile the judgment God was bringing on Israel and what God would accomplish regarding his covenant. Now, verse 25 ends, as you will, with a question mark. How can you, God, reconcile these two things? Judgment upon Israel, but bringing Israel back. It is as if he is saying, Lord, I believe that nothing is too hard for thee, yet you are in the midst of judging Israel and how any restoration of this land is possible in light of that judgment. So, Lord, please help me to understand. 
So how often do we find ourselves in that very same situation? As even as we look out in this nation and see the way that it has turned after the multitudes of blessings that God has given it. And as we see what appears to be God beginning to judge this nation for its turning away from the Lord, how often do we doubt God's ability to keep his covenant with his people and question whether nothing truly is too hard for the Lord? We, not put, we might not put it in those terms, but our outlook and mode of thinking often shows us that we've allowed doubt to seep in. And how do we remedy and prevent this doubt? Well, firstly, in looking at this topic of doubting God's ability to keep his covenant, I would like us to understand more fully what the cause of doubt is here. So that's my first point for today, the cause of doubt. Because where was the disconnect between Jeremiah's understanding and God's purpose of having him buy this field? In verse 13 through 15, we read, And I charged Baruch before them, saying, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Take these evidences, this evidence of the purchase, both which is sealed, and this evidence which is open, and put them in an earthen vessel, that they may continue many days. For thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Houses and fields and vineyards shall be possessed again in this land. So he buys this land that God has commanded him to, and... And, and he does so. And we see that he understands what the purpose, the significance of this buying of land is. He understood why God was having him do this. He understood what his purpose was. But the part it seems that Jeremiah was having difficulty with was the how. How are you going to do this? And that lack of understanding as to how God was going to fulfill his promises was causing doubt in his mind. This is what I think is so relatable and encouraging about this passage, because so often we find ourselves looking, for example, at the condition of the nation or at the specific situations we find ourselves in, and we just cry out, Lord, how? And so maybe there's someone here today who, who finds themselves in that similar circumstance of knowing and believing God's power to accomplish His, his will and yet, in not fully seeing how God will do that, a seed of doubt remains. Maybe you, like Jeremiah, see the judgment that will inevitably come upon the nation, and you wonder how God will preserve his people in the midst of it. Because God does do that. God judges sin, and very frequently that sin is, when that sin is national, he judges nationally. And with a nation so steeped in sin as this one, it is very likely, if it does not repent and seek forgiveness, that God will eventually judge it. Now, I can't say for certain, but we see that pattern throughout history. And in, in a way, the turning away from the Lord is, in, fact, in, in itself, a representation, a, well, it is a part of God's judgment upon a land, the blindness, the spiritual blindness of it. Or it might be something for you closer to home in your life that you don't see how God will accomplish his will. Maybe it's a particular struggle with sin that you have and you don't know how God will give victory in that area. 
or maybe even there's a loved one or someone you have been witnessing to and you just don't know how God will accomplish his will through that circumstance. And we cry, Lord, I believe, help thou mine unbelief. Like Jeremiah said in verse 17 and 24, Ah, Lord God, behold, thou hast made the heaven and the earth by thy great power and stretched out arm, and there is nothing too hard for thee. Yet thou hast said unto me, O Lord God, buy thee the field for money and take witnesses, for the city is given into the hand of the Chaldeans. But what we must do is get our minds, our hearts, off of questioning the how and, and see the promises of God. For Jeremiah, it was the promise of the new covenant that was given to him in the previous chapter. And so I would like to next look at the new covenant given in chapter 31. So you can uh, turn me there, just probably one page. And in verse 31, it reads, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, which my covenant they break, although I was an husband to, unto them, saith the Lord. But this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my law in their inward parts and write it in their hearts and will be their God and they shall be my people. And they shall teach no more every man his neighbor and every man his brother saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me from the least of them unto the greatest of them, saith the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sins no more. And so, in a sense, this is the covenant that Jeremiah was questioning or doubting how it was going to come to pass. How shall it happen? So to Jeremiah, this promise would have been of massive importance to him. Because this is showing that even though Jerusalem would be thrown down and destroyed, it, it would not be the end. The nation would still be preserved, and there would come a time when it would wholly be in service to the Lord. And so there are other promises that, that we might doubt. That, and, and we might question, how can, can God bring this to pass? We, we see God's promise that God will preserve his church and that the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And we might question, how is that going to come to pass? But what we must do is, is get our minds off of, of questioning the how and, and see God's promises for what they are. And so as, as we look out at this nation and, and wonder how, how will we go forward We go forward looking to God's promises, his, his covenant, knowing and believing that, that nothing is too hard for the Lord, for there is nothing too hard for the Lord. God reminds him, God reminds Jeremiah later on in chapter 32. He asks him, 
Is there nothing too hard for me? In verse 27, he says, Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? The obvious answer is no. There is nothing too hard for the Lord. And so for each of us in our particular circumstances, we can bring them before the Lord and let them rest there in the promises of God that, that he will answer. So how do we, as, what do we see as we look out at present, the present day nation or at the world in general? Do we see man and, his, and Satan and his devices working things around? Or do we see only just men sinning and turning away from God? Or do we see God and his, his hand working throughout history, not fully understanding what, how exactly God might work in the future? And are we seeing and looking towards God's, God's working in it and knowing that he will bring about his covenant? For there is nothing too hard for the Lord. So let us all be in, encouraged with, with that fact, that there is nothing too hard for the Lord, whatever it might be. For Jeremiah, it looked like there was no possible way that, that God would bring the nation of Israel back into a right relationship with him. But even between... 586, when Joshua, it, when Jerusalem fell, and now there was a, a, a restoration with, with Nehemiah, in the time of Nehemiah. And so God's covenant was being fulfilled, and is still being fulfilled. And so, in, as we are in the U.S., in our present day, let us look to what God can and, and will do through his church here. So let us all be encouraged and look to what the Lord will do and how he will bring about his covenant. Let us close in a word of prayer. Our dear Father in heaven, Lord, I pray that you would write these truths upon our hearts Lord, I pray that we would know that there is nothing too hard for you. Lord, I pray that we would not doubt your power or your ability to keep your covenant. Lord, I pray that we would be always looking towards you. Lord, I pray that you would just draw us ever nearer to you. Lord, I pray that you would help us to, to work while it is day and to, to do what you have called us to do. Lord, I pray that you would lead us and guide us in every path of life. We pray this in thy son's holy and precious name. Amen.